This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This episode of Cooking with Grief is brought to you by ham. It's like gammon, but thinner. We'll talk more about ham later in the show. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Cooking with Grief, recorded from our respective quarantine bunkers. I'm Chris, the irresistible lad, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, the human piriformis, Chris. Hi there. You seem to have pork-based products on your mind today. Is, is there a reason? Today, always. <laughs> <laughs> just a big fan. Just a big fan of pork. You show me a meal that cannot be improved by the addition of a pork product, and I will add a pork product to it. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't really argue with that. <laughs> Nor would I want to. What <laughs> can I be asked? <laughs> Doctors and religious <laughs> folk the world over might, but, you know, you're a good friend like that. But not me. <laughs> I'm neither of those, so... How are you doing? How are you enjoying um, self-isolation? I nearly said self-immolation then. I thought, that's not right. Oh, no, that doesn't sound enjoyable at all. Fine, I guess. All the days merge into one, but, yep, could be worse. My main issue is just the fact that I just really need a haircut. My hair and beard combo basically makes me look like a lesser interest in, like, later Roman emperor. <laughs> Post-Hadrian, when they started growing beards and having, like, curly hair and stuff, like... Yeah, it's basically my look now. One of the ones you wouldn't remember. One of the ones who probably got stabbed by the Praetorian Guard after, like, two months or something. Like, one of those... <laughs> You're the only person I know who, in response to the answer, how are you doing, would end up being stabbed by the Praetorian Guards. <laughs> oh, it's been a rollercoaster. And, and that's why we're friends. How are you? Um, broadly fine. I have a beard, but I had a beard when this all started, so that doesn't really change much. <laughs> Unchange? Yeah, not particularly uh, Roman in any sense, just hair suit, like a, a feral man unleashed upon a moor. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I mean, I work in food retail, so I'm so stressed that sunlight burns, but mm-hmm. other than that, broadly fine. You're a key worker and you're saving the nation one pork product sold <laughs> at a time. Yeah, if, if pork pies are your salvation, then I am the man to speak to. Here's how the podcast works. Each of us two Chris's take turns uh, trying to tantalise you with the topics that have tickled our respective interests. We fumble at history, we grope at art, and we scramble for science, all while sucking upon the teat of comedy. We basically tell each other about stuff we've learned, basically. So, with that, Chris, what is your first topic? Okay, so, whilst this isn't a sports podcast, I thought we could fill the void somewhat left by uh, the Olympics being postponed for a year by talking about some crazy old-timey Olympic tales. How old-timey? Like original Greeks or... No, less old. Modern, 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 modern but old. Yeah, old modern Olympics. Well, my first story, I mean, it's quite old, but it's not that old, I suppose. 1936 Olympics, which were famously held in Berlin... Yeah, I was about to say, ah, good year. It was not a good year for anyone. No. I mean, Jesse Owens got to show how, uh, well, he obviously was black and he won the race and sort of showed up the whole Aryan thing, only to then have to go through the back door when he went back to America to go meet the president. I think he ended up selling his medals and racing horses, running against horses. Yeah, it's not good, is it? It's it's always remembered, the, uh, the whole... Hitler thing and always sort of glosses over the whole America was still really fucking racist back then thing. But 
This is not his tale. This is the tale of Ue Sueo. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. He's Japanese. And he was a pole vaulter back in the day. He was representing Japan along with his teammate Nishida Shuhei. What happened was they actually had the exact same height. Not that they were the same height, but they cleared the exact same height. And so they couldn't decide who to give silver medal to and who to give the bronze medal to, because they were both beaten by someone else. Uh, So they basically just arbitrarily decided that Nishida would be given silver and Oe would be given the bronze. And obviously that's pretty arbitrary. So what they did was they uh, took their medals home, cut them in half, had them welded together and they gave themselves a half bronze, half silver medal each, which I thought was quite So that's either Sons or Brilver? Yes, exactly. Depending on which word you prefer more. I prefer Brover. Okay, I'll go with Sons then. And then we'll have <laughs> we'll to, those we can't decide half. between them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to make bronze or silver. <laughs> okay, I prefer bronze. Yeah, they called them friendship medals. Quite a heartwarming tale. Then... For my second Olympic tale, well, my second and final, but it's there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in this one. Nineteen oh four, good year, maybe I don't know, <laughs> but it was the uh, first ever Olympics in the United States, and it was held at St. Louis, Missouri. Well, specifically, I want to talk about the marathon, which was just basically. You know how today the marathon, like you think about any marathons, like London Marathon or Olympic event marathons and stuff, they're like well choreographed, peak like human the routes endurance. Planned. The, yeah, the route's planned, but like as well as that, like the athletes have even trained for the route, you know, like to do with like elevation and stuff like that. Like remember when the Kenyan man set the fastest, I can't remember his name now, which is bad, um, but you know, he set the sub two hour marathon time and yeah. the level of detail that went into planning that was like they literally had like you know yeah they literally made sure that like the wind was right they practiced they chose a one where like the camber angles of the uh road wasn't too much and stuff like that like none of that was the case back in 1904 <laughs> is what i want to <laughs> <No>, say shocking <laughs> is the complete it couldn't have been worse so at this one a couple of the runners either had raced in previous Olympic marathons or the Boston Marathon, but the majority of the field was made up of just random, basically, amateurs who <laughs> wanted to go <laughs> running. Um, there were 10 Greeks involved who had never ran a marathon in their life. They just, <laughs> I presume they just qualified because they just said they were from marathon and they were like, that's enough. There were two men of the Suwana tribe of South Africa who were there as part of... Uh, there was also the World Fair going on in St. Louis at the same time, so they were just there as part of that and um, just decided to go for the run. Uh, yeah. And they went, they decided to run barefoot, unlike everybody else. There was a man called Felix Carbajal from Cuba who raised money by running up and down Cuba, like literally up and down the entire length of Cuba. But then when he arrived in America, he lost all his money on a dice game and had to hitchhike (laughs) 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 watch hitchhike during the race that's surely (laughs) cheating Uh, wait wait, we'll get to that (laughs) 
<laughs> that, oh, right. Okay. That could be classed as foreshadowing. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Because he'd lost all his stuff or his money, he didn't have any any shorts. He was just wearing trousers. But one of his competitors uh, lent him a pair of scissors so he could cut those bottoms off and turn <laughs> them into shorts. The temperature was over 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's about 30 degrees Celsius. Okay, um, so that's warm. So it's warm. It involved seven hills along the uh, 20, was it 26 mile course. You know, usually marathons are done fairly flat places, but nope, seven hills on this one. They didn't stop any traffic. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't stop the traffic, didn't stop trams, <laughs> and, you know, the streetcar things, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even the trains, because they had to cross some train lines at some point. So, and, you know, mentioned how hot it was and all that. There were only two places to get water, like, throughout the entire course. One of which was a well. Yeah, no, literally. One of them was a roadside well. <laughs> Oh, fuck, I was joking. <laughs> nope. This isn't foreshadowing anymore. <laughs> this is just me thinking of the worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, apparently the uh, the organiser wanted to uh, limit the amount of fluids because he wanted to see <laughs> the effects of dehydration. Because <laughs> it was a common area of research at the time. Good, good time to sort of indulge in a bit of amateur science. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently they did have coaches and uh, doctors on hand in cars to sort of, you know, go along with the runners. But the problem was, because this was before roads were paved and stuff, all they did was, like, kick up loads of dust to make things even harder. (laughs) One guy collapsed within a few miles because the dust had coated his esophagus and ripped the stomach lining, so he started bleeding internally. Um, Fuck. He survived after going to hospital. Another gave up after having to vomit. Uh, one of the aforementioned South Africans was chased by wild dogs. <laughs> uh, oh, the um, the Cuban guy stopped to have a chat with spectators. Then he, um, at one point, he saw that he saw people eating some peaches. Asked for one. They said no, so he took two and just ran off with them. <laughs> then he, then he's afraid shorts. It gets even worse. Then he, um, oh, apparently he's also wearing like normal shoes as well, like just yeah, like leather sh- shoes. Yeah. Then he apparently really loved fruit because later on in the course he stopped at an orchard, found some apples. They turned out to be rotten. He got stomach cramps and had to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> nap not 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 quit the race yeah. just a quick 40 minute snooze yeah. um at nine miles one guy decided to uh hitch a ride <laughs> told you it was foreshadowing <laughs> waving at spectators and fellow runners as he passed bear in mind what, what I, is this what is this wacky races <laughs> bear in mind someone this, set up acme traps all of this has happened before the 10 mile mark yeah, we're not, yeah, even, you're not, even we're not halfway around the course yet. That's <laughs> already been like two near fatalities. Can, can I guess what was going to happen? So someone ran ahead to where there was a tunnel, and then painted <laughs> a fake tunnel entrance, <laughs> and everyone ran into the mountain. Someone fucking put a stick of dynamite in someone's shorts. Someone Honestly, tied an anvil to someone's trainers. <laughs> None of this would be particularly like, out of no, no, no. Um, off the mark. At the 10-mile mark, one guy was desperately dehydrated, asked the support crew if he could have a drink, but they refused and gave him some... <laughs> just put a wet sponge in his mouth and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> With seven miles to go, his support team gave him a concoction of egg whites and 
strychnine, which is the first recorded instance of drug use in the modern Olympics. And because <laughs> at the time there were no rules about it. So he just basically yeah, yeah. gave him a stimulant. They also had on hand brandy, <laughs> just in case. I don't know what that would actually yeah. help. Um, you know, you know when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just absolutely gasping, just you're just uh, so dehydrated. And the first mm. thing you reach for is brandy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not the best. Oh, it quenches. The guy who was hitchhiking with the la- he decided to run the last few miles. Oh, that's good of him. <laughs> yeah. Then the crowd started chanting because they obviously didn't know he'd hitchhiked, and um, he just went around with it and accepted the gold medal. <laughs> Like, because they did it, like, literally there and then. Way to the crowd, got given the gold medal, and then other people pointed out that he cheated and stuff, and so then he started getting booed. And then he tried to say (laughs) that he only did it as a joke. The guy who took the uh, strychnine, he was basically on his ass, and they decided to give him the brandy, and then he managed to keep running. So he was able to run very well, but his eyes were dull lusterless and the ashen colour of his face and skin had deepened. He began hallucinating and believing the finish line was still 20 miles away. In the last mile he begged for something to eat then he begged to lie down. He was given some more brandy and some more egg whites. <laughs> his trainers in, in the end carried him over the line uh, and he was declared the winner after the first guy had been disqualified. He's the winner. <laughs> um, he lost eight pounds during the race. Yeah, not surprised. That'll, that'll be the strict name. That was it. <laughs> Basically. Madness. Utter madness. Mm-hmm. And yet, yet more entertaining than a professionally and efficiently run marathon. Obviously, because otherwise it's just people running. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. got time for that. Wacky races is what we want. Uh, someone at work was telling me that they'd gone out for a, a run after work on Thursday, completely forgetting that at 8pm in this country on Thursdays, we've started doing this clap for the NHS workers mm-hmm. and was on his way home to find his street applauding. <laughs> and they thought, he said it was like finishing a marathon in the first place. So he puts his hands over his head and like runs down the street cheering. <laughs> Awkward when you realise this. <laughs> right. I think that's, we've crossed the finish line. We, uh, over to you for your first topic. <laughs> okay, so for my first topic, I'm going to talk about place names. Chris, what's the best-named place you've ever been to? Either a town, a city, a funny-named pub? Well, it's not necessarily the name itself, but there's a place in England called Shillbottle. Mm. But when I was driving past, somebody had gone with a marker pen and <laughs> put a line through the L, so they said shit bottle. But they'd done that on every single <laughs> sign over about two miles, like... You know, and the thing is as well, is it's like, it's a dual carriageway. There was no pavement. Somebody had gone out of their way to walk along the verge and just with a marker pen, just change it to shit bottle. Or better yet, drive for a minute and a half, get out. Yeah, stop. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And they did it for about a two mile stretch, just every sign. And I bet like it got funnier way. and funnier with every progressive shit bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's actually near a place... Which is a funny name. Uh, a place called Sex How. Sex How. It's just like, yeah, it just always makes me think like it should have like a question mark after it. Yeah, I was going to say an interrobang. Oh right, nice. question mark and an exclamation mark. Sex How. Sex How. <laughs> yeah. Why do you ask? Well, because I've been this week. I learned about US place names. Now, obviously, it's nothing new that whenever like a country invades another country, it tends to name new places after 
places mm-hmm. back home. So obviously when we, as in the British, went to Australia, get New South Wales and stuff like that. And with the US being such a young country then, and with so many powers, so many like, different empires taking it over from the Native Americans, then, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are really obvious. So like there's loads of UK cities that have their names in America. Mm-hmm. So Manchester, New Hampshire, Birmingham, mm-hmm. Alabama, etc. You know, they're really obvious. You know, you've got Scandinavian places in Minnesota, sort of Irish names in New England, that sort of thing. So, you know, wherever people have gone, they've always named it after the places they've come from. Some are slightly less obvious. So there's a Moscow in uh, Texas. Uh, there's a Tripoli in Pennsylvania and a Baghdad in Arizona. To be fair, Arizona is also a desert. So, you know, she <laughs> does seem quite fitting. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? Baghdad. Yeah, no, now that you see it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's also a loads of places that have ancient names. That you know, they've. It's a bit mundane to come from London and to move somewhere else across the sea and then call it London. These guys are thinking a bit more sort of grandiose, sort of trying to impart a bit of classical grandeur on their new new town or whatever. So there's a Bethlehem in Pennsylvania, a Babylon in New York, mm-hmm. uh, Antioch where they make the holy hand grenades in California. There's a Nazareth, there's an Argos, a Corinth, a Damascus, a Delphi, a Jericho, Jerusalem, a Sparta in Georgia, which I quite like, and, mm-hmm. and a Thebes in Illinois. Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. I would argue that Memphis, Tennessee is now more famous than the ancient Memphis. Yes, I would agree. Thank you, Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever you are. (laughs) Hopefully listening to this podcast. (laughs) Hey, thanks for the shout-out, fellas. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so there's 30 different Parises across the US, 10 different Londons, Mm -hmm. uh, three Jerusalems, but some places just give up on the names and go, you know what, fuck it, we're going to get weird. So there's uh, a town called Rough and Ready in California, T- <laughs> Two Eggs, Florida, Climax, Georgia, Bug Tussle, Kentucky, my favourite Burnt Porcupine in Maine, <laughs> uh, Love Ladies, New Jersey, uh, Mud Butt, South Dakota, uh, another strong one, Ding Dong, Texas, uh, <laughs> Mexican Hat, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they call it Sombrero? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. It's just a Mexican hat. Mexican hat. There's uh, Satan's Kingdom in Vermont, which for such a sort of Christian country does seem like, yeah. I don't know, there's Hump Tulips, Washington, uh, Lick Fork, West Virginia, and Chugwater, Wyoming, which I, I think they're all better names than just picking somewhere where you're from. Oh yeah, it's not very... Imaginative, is it? If if we were going to found a town... What would I call it? I've thought about this before. I'd call it Christopia. Yeah, I know. But it, <laughs> if you weren't so vain and hubristic as to name it after yourself. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Isn't it weird? Because, like, you know, like, English... Play, I imagine other countries probably have similar things. Like, like, a lot of our towns do literally just mean, like... They're very, like, descriptive and unimaginative if... But, like, they don't sound that way now because English has moved on. But, like, in Old English, like, you know, like, anywhere with, like, Ford in the name literally just means it's a Ford on the river. Yeah. Or, like, anything with Hampton in it, or even Ham, just means, like, town. Yeah. So it's just, like, yeah, it's... A lot of places are literally just called, like, Hill Town or something, if you know what they're actually... It's like, we made the town on the hill, what do we call it? <laughs> hill Town. Do you, yeah. do you want to call it Mexican Hat? No, that's silly. <laughs> no, we'll call it Hill Town because it's a. Yeah. What about Sombrero? Where the hell have you learned Spanish? 
Well, what do you call the town then? I want to go wacky with it, you know, like Ding Dong, Texas. I wouldn't call it Ding Dong, Texas, but I'd rather have something in that vein. So maybe call it, I don't know, mm. Chicken Prolapse Lancashire. <laughs> I don't, nice. I, I don't know where in Lancashire I'm going to get to found a new town. I think we're pretty much sort of sorted out where the towns are, but maybe... But you never know. Or maybe... We're, well, we're going to have to go through all this again when they start, like, colonising planets. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. That, that would be a good, a good job, right. is just naming planet, uh, naming new settlements. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so, so oh, No one can stop you. No. I mean, so, you know, obviously, if the virus gets any worse, then all the rich and powerful people are going to move to Mars, apparently. So, you know, obviously... As the voices behind such a an august podcast as this, we're obviously getting on that spaceship. Obviously. Maybe, other than being the, the keepers of the truth, maybe we could be town namers. Town namers, but not planners. No, 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 no. We shouldn't be trusted with traffic management. <laughs> no, because we'll just set up a series of wacky races. <laughs> that constant struggle, you trying to, you know, you being like, okay, we'll call this it, we've got Christopia, Chris Phil, Chris Cincinnati, Chrissington. <laughs> And I'm saying, yeah. no, let's call it Goose's Nipples. And you're like, no. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it sounds like I've said the <laughs> no, words but... Goose Nipples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but people, you know, it's sticking in the mind. Yeah, and, and maybe it'll gr- grow into it. The first yeah, generation exactly. will be embarrassed by Goose Nipples, but then sort of 300 years' time, you'd be like, I'm a proud gr- Goose nip- Nippletonian. What what the uh, people be? Nip- nip- nippleites. Nippleites, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm sorry, Desmond, to bring you into this. <laughs> oh, just going back to the whole Mars thing, do you see, like, Elon Musk does actually want everyone to go to... Well, not everyone. He wants to go to Mars. What did him and Grimes? Well, no, that's the thing, is he said, like, Mars should be for everyone. And then someone was like, what about people who can't afford it? And he was like, well, we'll probably... We could give them loans and then they can work it off when we get there because we'll need lots of labourers. It's like, slavery. You've, you've invented slavery. <laughs> like... Like, oh yeah, well, you'll just be in indentured servitude for life and probably your next generation, because I imagine, like, unless the day rates are significantly higher once you get to Mars, I imagine you're not going to be able to pay off the billion, like, dollar costs of a rocket trip to Mars. I mean, how dispiriting is that? You know, it's bad enough when you're a student, but then, you know, you go to the Mars ATM or Matam, you know, it says available balance minus one billion, and he's like, fuck, that's <laughs> yeah. so many zeros. Maybe we shouldn't go to Mars and reinvent slavery. Mm, I feel like there's, there must be better ways. <laughs> if there's anything that doesn't need a 21st century reboot. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got plagues, so, you know, <laughs> what, what, what should the next old-timey horrific thing be? Let my people go to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they're all Red Seas up there. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> I quite thought the same thing. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, no, nah, I won't say it. <laughs> that would <laughs> be stupid. <laughs> 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 so that's the that's oh, difference. You think of a shit joke and think... Nah, I probably wouldn't say it. And I, I, I was dead happy about that. I was like, I'm going to fucking say it. Oh, man. And on that note, oh. I think I'll throw it over to you for your second topic. Okay, so for my second topic, I'd like to just ask you a question. What ways do you think there are of uniquely identifying someone? Yeah, so the obvious ones would be like, um, 
what's their favorite packet flavor of Walker's crisps? All right, I was hoping you were gonna, you know, set me up for my topic, but never mind. Because um, the obvious ways would be why like, say, that, fingerprints why on earth and DNA. I would do that. <laughs> I don't Is know, it, just if, the, if un, the unspoken, co- <laughs> the unspoken co-host bomb that says <laughs> when doing improv, they why would say I no. Why do that when I? <laughs> Not only do I say it's not, it's less yes and and more no, but <laughs> it's like, just like doing one of those improv right. things where it's like, <laughs> all right, so you're gonna have a house party, yeah? ding dong. Just go pretend I'm not in. <laughs> For fuck's sake, yeah. <laughs> there's no party here. Anyway, so had you said, okay, uh, fingerprints, I would have said, ah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I would have said. Well, did you know that your butthole is also unique? And then you would have been shocked. And, well, yes, and everyone else. (laughs) We can just imagine the listeners would have been like, oh, wow, set up. (laughs) Joke. But, uh. (laughs) Well, what what synergy between these two lifelong friends? So, how do you know this, Chris? I hear Chris asks me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? That's amazing. Um, so, scientists at Stanford University have, deve- have developed a smart toilet. So, you know, we have smart watches, smartphones, and now we have smart toilets. And the idea is if you wanted somebody to creepily find out how healthy you were in the worst possible way, this toilet will do that for you. So, it well, analyse your excretions, you know, and look out for, like, any disease markers, you know, like certain proteins or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this thing's a disease. But toilets are obviously used by multiple people. You know, most of us aren't fortunate enough to just have our own personal loo. So it mm-hmm. has to know which users on it so they know, like, whose health you know, to add these statistics to or whatever. And by doing that, it's got a camera because this apparently couldn't, this idea couldn't get any worse. It has a camera which takes a picture of your butthole and matches it to its database and <laughs> determines who the user is. And they couldn't have had like, I don't know, a thumbprint scanner. No. <laughs> apparently not. Or, or what's like your favourite packet of crisps? <laughs> question. Oh, someone's been having the prawn cocktail. <laughs> Yeah. Are you going uh, at the prospect of prawn cocktail or at the No, just at the idea that the your toilet, toilet could taste, taste it. <laughs> yeah, particularly if it's got a mouth of its own yeah. and it's going right. Um So why would you give this machine sentience? <laughs> <laughs> of all the things. Yeah. Oh apparently it does actually also have a fingerprint reader on the flush. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the camera the anus camera is just for shits and giggles. Hey, shits and giggles, I didn't even mean that. Not so many giggles, just shits. <laughs> and it apparently it sends this data to the cloud because you know what the cloud needs is pictures of your butthole. You know, like after all these things of people being hacked and stuff, just like imagine if the internet managed to get hold of some celebrities like butthole photos. And then also their, like, health data. Yeah, I mean, th- obviously the health data is the worrying side of it, but in a lineup of 10, do you think you could recognise your your butthole? No. I mean, it's one of those things you don't really see, do you? Would you, w- would you be particularly worried if a picture of, you know, particularly if the, if the, the camera's looking up, it's going to be quite dark? Oh, yeah, so, but, like, how do you know when it starts taking the photos? 
What if it takes photos, you know, like, as you're standing up or sitting down or something, it might get a photo of a wide-angle shot, say. (laughs) The best thing is the press release from Stanford University (laughs) ends with, To fully reap the benefits of the smart toilet, users must make their peace with a camera that scans their anus. (laughs) Which is just like... I don't know, it's not exactly like one of the Buddha's sayings, is it? <laughs> Make peace with the camera that scans your anus. No, I think it means to live in the present. No, 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 it's it's literal. Don't let a camera... No, do let a camera. Oh, do let a camera, but don't let companies sell the data. Mm. You know, companies always want to have like a social element involved, so there'll be like a, a share button that shares the both the picture and the results with your Facebook feed. It's like the share button on a, on porn sites. Yeah, like who needs that? Especially because most of the sites it links to would like in like Twitter's the Wild West. I do quite like Twitter because of that. Like, I'm not a social media fan, even though I am our social media manager. But I do quite like the fact that Twitter is basically just like fucking no rules, <laughs> do what you want. But yeah, apart from that, like if you were to share any of those on Facebook, you'd just instant ban. So why is there a button yeah. for it? <laughs> who came up with that? I'm pretty sure you can set, share it to LinkedIn as well. Like, I think the worst <laughs> potential employers. So, what do you think your uh, your biggest weakness for this job would be? Probably for publicly sharing uh, my um, piss fetish porn. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the big ones. Again, to quote the Buddha, <laughs> the, like the camera seems to be the one thing that jeopardizes this whole venture. Yes, like it could just have a thumbprint scanner, and that would be the end of it. But they seem to really want this whole... I don't know, I feel like somebody must have been looking at a lot of pictures of butts and was like, hang on a second, I can tell the difference between these buttholes. <laughs> and then went back to the research. <laughs> that one just like, winked at me. Yeah, how, can I, uh, how can I use this for science? You know the, the Japanese toilets that like talk to you and have got like hair... You know, not hair dryers, but you know, yeah. like a hot air. Yeah, like, do, it, do you think it... Yeah, do you think it would thank you? I hope not. You know, like... I can't wait to get this sentience... <laughs> Well, it's not sentence. It's just it's just yeah. senses. Yeah, no. Um, and it's and you know, does it have good bedside manner? If you can switch it to like doctor mode, and it says like, you might need to watch your uh, fiber intake. Yeah. Also, thank you for shitting in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I I just hope not. I feel like I would, I don't want my toilet to talk to me ever under any circumstances. <laughs> Maybe play a jingle. What kind of jingle do you want? Like um. Elevator music. Like, oh, right. A bit a bit like jazz. Like, like Girl from Ipanino yeah, or da, something. Da, 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 shit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we have the episode title anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're really pussing oh, iTunes, like, how much you can get away with. We might attract the wrong audience. But, but an audience, an nonetheless. Audience. <laughs> <laughs> and so, on that note... That brown note. (laughs) Well played. (laughs) Over to you to uh, round us off. To squeeze it out. (laughs) As the uh, aforementioned reluctant social media manager side of our partnership, you must be familiar with the concept of public shaming. Yes. Like, you know, sort of shaming, not necessarily that it's happened to you, but you're aware of it. No, I like to partake in it on a uh, regular basis. I scroll through people's <laughs> timelines to find something from 2007 they said that was slightly racist. Look, I'm sorry, we've all had a drink. But to be fair, you do look a lot like Obama. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take that. Um, I once got I once got pulled aside at a bar 
by two random guys who were like off their face. Like, I'm pretty sure they were on drugs, not just drunk. Who I couldn't tell. They were both mixed race. And I couldn't tell if they thought I was Obama, they thought <laughs> I knew Obama, <laughs> or they just thought I looked like Obama. They seem to be changing as we're talking. Like, sometimes they seem to be addressing me as Obama. <laughs> and I was just like, no, like, you need to do more to help mixed race people. And I was like, I'll bring it up at the next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the genericism of meeting. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> yes, I yeah. couldn't just say no. <laughs> I know that I, Obama, I'm using my scant free time <laughs> to spend in a shitty bar in Manchester. <laughs> but next time I, I fly back to DC, I'll bring oh, it up at up. the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, had some feedback from a couple of lovely lads in a in a bar in Manchester. <laughs> Turns out we could be doing more, you know, more for race relations. <laughs> yeah. um, well, okay, so you know, this sort of public uh, shaming is clearly nothing new, as long as there have been people, particularly living in a systematically dominant society that you know favors certain people there's always going to be public shaming i think just you know where uh, social media just amplified it but this is a story about the people who tried to uh, publicly shame julius caesar good luck so in in the senate suetonius called him the husband to all wives and wife to all husbands because you know he uh he got around with the fellas shall mm-hmm. we say mm-hmm. and uh cicero Classic Cicero used to make uh, used to go around the Senate making jokes about Caesar, who um, for submitting to King uh, Nicomedes of uh, Bithynia uh, as a young man, describing their uh, tryst as and I apologise for this language uh, a golden couch arrayed uh, arranged in purple, where the virginity of the one sprung from Venus was lost in Bithynia. You know, there's a reason we have explicit warning on our, our, our podcasts. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I apologise um, for the language, and then you were going to quote it in Latin. If you wait two more paragraphs... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> so it is true that Caesar spent time with uh, King Nicomedes. Basically, he was sent there uh, to try and secure a, a fleet, and then ended up spending quite a lot more time at the palace than it was probably necessary to say, hey mate, can we borrow some ships? And uh, rumours uh, were abound that there was a, and if you'll excuse my Latin, and the, you know, <laughs> foreshadowed joke, a bit of prostrate regi pudicitiae going on, if you know what I mean. And uh, an- another fella in the Senate, during the uh, indictments of, uh, of uh, Caesar, called him the Queen of Bithynia. And obviously it's sort of, it's both by modern standards, homophobic and misogynistic to sort of compare him to a woman and therefore as something less, you know what I mean? Like the Romans had a weird thing with homosexual relations in that they were perfectly okay with them, but if you were like the bottom, that's when they sort of like, that's what all the insults were about. They were all about how he was the, you know, the wife or whatever. Yeah, he he was bottoming two Nicomedes. They'd have no problems with it if he was the one. Like, it, yeah, it, it was a weird sort of... There was a stigma, but only for 50% of the participants. And the other 50%, it was, like, perfectly fine. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it's the it's the submission rather than the, the act. Yeah, exactly. Despite what, like, random alt-right people will try and tell you about ancient Rome being, well, whatever weird fantasy they have. <laughs> they weren't, like, 
homophobic in the in the like modern sense of the word in the way that the right want them to be yeah exactly they were just sort of like they were perfectly fine with it but it was just seen as a lesser thing yeah you just had to sort of be a man about it yeah like for want of a better phrase <laughs> yeah uh, th- these rumours were so well known that there was uh, a military marching song called Urbani, meaning citizens, uh, that made jokes at Caesar's expense. One verse goes, Nicomedes non triumphat qui subagit sub- uh, Kaiserem, or Nicomedes does not triumph, but he vanquished, meaning bummed, mm. uh, Caesar. <laughs> so- Which I suppose is like the Roman equivalent of... A football chant. Caesar takes it up the arse, up the arse, up the arse. That yeah, sort of thing. something like that. Your point about it's not the act that was frowned upon, it was the submission that was thing. That's, I thought, the part that was interesting, that it's not, it's not like slut-shaming of today, which seems to... As if a society we want to... Not want to, but if as a society we commodify women and then shame them for... Providing that commodity, if you know, know what I mean. Oh, like yeah. The irony oh, it's of- mad. Like, yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. It's like, it's why, like, the whole sex scandal thing, you know, like, whenever there's a sex tape leak or whatever, and everyone's always sort of scandalized to find out, you know, that whoever is, like, having sex, I suppose. And it's always like, but then they're always expected to wear bikinis or whatever on stage. And then everyone acts surprised when <laughs> it turns out that, yes this attractive young person is getting laid with like like what would I don't know what everyone expects it's this weird thing about it we have a it, weird hang yeah, up about like, it where we're all obsessed with it but also all see like hate it yeah it's like the expectation of like sort of public sort of sluttiness for want of a better word mm. for for like the audience's consumption but then demanding private sort of chastity yeah yeah, I think that's not to get on my soapbox, but I feel like a lot of society's problems seem to stem around contradictory wants and like sex being one of them is like we're obsessed with it as a culture. Like it's everywhere. But we also hate the fact that if anyone's ever like found having it. You know, like the whole thing where Facebook, like you know, the whole free the nipple thing, because like a woman's boobs get censored immediately on Facebook, but you could have you could have somebody literally like real life being murdered and that video is allowed to stay up on Facebook if they deem it like newsworthy. Yeah. But if any yeah. of the participants were a topless woman, then all of a sudden it becomes taboo. And yet there's all oh, like Instagram is basically like powered by models. You know, like that's where most of the money sort of comes from as Instagram models and influencers who are usually like scantily clad but if any of them were to show a nipple they'd be instantly like kicked off the platform and it's like such a weird line to like yeah, yeah. it's like it's like we want we want to imagine your nipples mm. but if you actually show them then that's you know yeah. think of the children yeah it's weird do you know what I find America in particular is that it, like you say it's that obsession with both violence and sex but mm-hmm like sort of glorifying violence and demonizing sex it's such a weird mm-hmm. like let's suppose like you say you know beheadings is fine mm-hmm. unless you can see it yeah it's really odd oh, i remember once watching some i was on holiday in america and they were so obsessed with censoring nipples they drew attention to them like 
Mm. <laughs> it was censoring. You know when they do like the uh, blurry sensor, like not the like black yep. bar, but like the sort of fuzzy uh, thing. They're doing that on. <laughs> Basically, there were women not wearing bras on the whatever it was. It might have even been friends or something like that. <laughs> you know, you could see like the outline of it, or you would have been able to see. And you probably would have barely, it probably would have barely registered because most people can handle that level of stimulation without it being a big deal. But they felt the need to put these blurry sensors on them, drawing yeah, your eyes towards them. <laughs> it's just like, come on, guys. It's the vague well, it's, outline it's like, of a nipple. We can, we'll survive. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a weird double standard. But yeah, so I, I, I guess it's uh, as much as we think of. Of slut shaming in particular is the has the, a modern phenomenon spurred by social media. It's been around as long as it's been humans, including the Romans. I feel like the Romans probably had their fair share of weird hang ups about it as well. Yeah, it's just different different tastes for different mm. ages. Is this the toilet talking again? <laughs> Thank you. Mm, <laughs> cheese and onion. Ooh. Thank you. I gotta need to. <coughs> We'll keep going. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of uh, episode 43 of Cooking with Grief. We hope you've enjoyed it. This episode was brought to you by Ham. It's like gammon, but thinner. Use the code GRIEF for 10% off your next order of ham. So that's it. Another one for the awards folder. Uh, I've been Chris. I've been a different Chris. And uh, we hope you're doing all right. Staying safe. Staying sane. Staying indoors. Staying together. The light. Staying glass windows. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, that's at Cooking with Grief with no G on cooking. Email us at uh, cookingwithgrief at gmail Yeah, I think that's that's it. Another another slam dunk. Another home run. Another goal. <laughs> points. Sports points. Yes, indeed. So until next time, it just uh, we'll just say thank you for listening and goodbye. 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 Bye. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye. Okay, we need to stop this. Bye. <laughs> okay, but but bye though. Thank you. <laughs> oh, monster munch. <laughs> <sighs> bye. <laughs>